0: And welcome to another edition of the Michigan Bat- Insider Basketball Podcast with Tim McCormick of Sam Webb. And, uh, you know, holiday season, uh, he travels, uh, you know, across the country, going down to the Citrus Bowl and whatnot. But basketball is never far from my catching all the games and staying in touch with my man Tim. Hey, there are even basketball visits uh, going on at least one notable one in Terrence Williams, uh, who took his visit to Michigan last weekend. Uh, but lots still going on on the hardwood, and that's every reason to have another edition of the Michigan Insider Basketball Podcast. Tim, first of all, how was your holiday, man? How did things go for you?
1: It was the best. I um I, I love spending time with my family, and it was relaxing. Um and and you know I, the the bowl season's here; it's in full swing, and I I'm I'm loving it. But I also know that as soon as it's over, then it's 100% attention in college basketball.
0: Absolutely, it is. All right. So, uh, Michigan, before we get into, uh, you know, a lot of the other topics that we're going to be hitting uh, today, because I'm really looking forward to hearing with your all-decade team. Everyone's doing an all-decade team. So it felt like it'd be uh, a good idea for us to break down into one, Tim. Uh, But before we get into that, I want to go back over uh, over this UMass Lowell game, because, you know, a talking point for us for the better part of the season, it's not just because you're a big fella, Tim. Uh, But going to John Teske in the post, because we feel like that's going to be a staple for this team this year. I really don't care who it's against. I mean, you know, to me, repetition is everything for them right now as they're trying to establish that part of their game. Uh, So to see John Teske, uh, you know, really be effective uh, down low was a a positive. And then the other thing, uh, and we've kind of talked about this as well, you know, life without Isaiah Livers. Uh, you know, what does that look like? Who's gonna step up and we got our first glimpse of that against UMass Lowell as well? Well, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and the the game against the river Hawks, I've never heard of a riverhawk before um, was really a non-test. They're small, they're not very athletic and and I, and I do think though that it's a really good opportunity to flex your muscles and keep working on your post game. Realistically, Michigan right now, is a dribble drive, swing the ball, three-point shooting team that's a little bit on the streaky side, especially against good defense. And I, I, I would imagine yeah. that part of the reason they, they so emphasize Teskey and the big guys is because Michigan State's coming up, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're as big and as bad and as physical as they've been in the past. So Teskey was great. 25 points, 25 minutes. You can't do any better than that. I thought that the post entries – were much better Teskey was 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 wide and you know i when i work with big guys i i tell them to act like a 747 you know get those arms straight out there like a like a big plane and and take up that space and and 54 percent from the field that's good in any game against any opponent but but i i really liked the the contributions with that jumbo lineup brandon johns castleton austin davis combined for 17 points, 16 rebounds. I thought Castleton was really active. You know, he um he probably had his best rebounding game, but he also had 3 assists which is outstanding. And when I when I think about, you know, New Year's resolutions for this team, they need to find a way to get some easy points. Mm-hmm. And they they don't get a lot of offensive rebounds. That that's a weakness. Maybe that's structurally the way that Juwan wants to play getting back and and protecting in transition but they had 10 offensive rebounds that that's pretty good and then also they only had seven free throw attempts and and michigan's going to need to find a way to generate some easier points
0: yeah i think uh, you know for for me a lot of that is going to come in transition you gotta be uh, a really strong defensive team to create some opportunities like that when you because i think it is structural uh, at least in part the offensive rebounding uh the or lack thereof for this team uh, so they do stress getting back but that you know I, I think to your point really makes it mandatory that you create some of those some of those runout opportunities uh with some strong defense but uh you know I, I know you you mentioned uh, you mentioned the the assist game uh that Michigan uh, you know a number of assists that they were able to get Colin Castleton with three assists in the game but how about Xavier Simpson? Uh, in that contest, Tim with a double-digit assist effort.
1: Well, once again, he um, he's a facilitator in a big way, and I I I love the recognition that he's getting. He passed Antoine Jo Uh and I I, th- I find that really interesting. Uh, Judge was was um, you know my point guard along with Eric Turner, and no one would have guessed. That, that such a prolific score in high school and in college he was a very good score was was actually up there in the all-time assists at Michigan
0: did you realize that I did not I did not and then you know you mentioned Eric Turner uh, a guy who's near and dear uh, to my heart a Flinttown uh, Flinttown legend uh, you know when you when it, it makes you appreciate though when you mention Xavier Simpson's name, uh, up there in the annals of Michigan basketball history. It makes you appreciate uh, just how steady uh, and just how consistent uh, he has been as a facilitator, as you mentioned, for this team. And that's one of the reasons why I, I, li- I like this upcoming game out the gate, Tim. I, I, well, not – I know they played a couple of Big Ten games, but, you know, as they as, – as Big Ten play resumes, because I know you've talked about this before, as have I, uh, but – you know, the Michigan State blueprint from last year is not gonna change. Uh, and why would it when you've seen a couple of teams already this year do a good job of, of, of limiting Xavier Simpson and they found you limit you, you limit X, you limit Michigan. But that is a series that turned dramatically last year. Because Tim I'll you know, I'll own it. You you watch the first you know, the first few matchups against uh, you know, against Michigan State, Xavier Simpson versus Cassius Winston, uh, and X won those matchups. Uh, you know, Michigan—it was so bad for Michigan State. You know, and I'm not talking about last year. I'm talking about prior to that. It was so bad for Michigan State. You might remember this—they had to hide Cassius Winston on defense. I mean, they would they would park him on Duncan on Duncan Robinson. They would do things to to get him off of Michigan's uh, of Michigan's guards, whether it's X or or Muhammad he could not, Cassius could not stay in front of Michigan's guards. And so you get into last year where, you know, they got to come up with a different strategy. First of all, Cassius is much more potent offensively, a dominant player offensively, but defensively, what do you do? And they started switching Michigan's ball screens, and Michigan had no answer, Tim. In all the matchups, Michigan could not take advantage of of the, the switching that Michigan State uh, did effectively two things happen. Number one, you got Teskey on on Cassius in the in the post, and Michigan couldn't get the ball there. Uh, and then you go back out, you go back out on the on the perimeter, and you ordinarily when you switch a big on. On on a on a guard or big on X, he's able to blow by him. That wasn't the case with Michigan State last year, and they nullified Michigan offensively as a result. So I like this matchup for that reason. To see can Michigan do a better job of contending with that?
1: Yeah, I um I, I like where Michigan is in their guard play. Uh, Xavier is averaging ten assists per game over his last three. Um, the drop coverage and pick and roll is is going to be. Much more effective against Cassius. Cassius has not been the same player as he was last year, um, for for reasons on and off the court. Yeah. Um, he's a little bit injured, and and so. So question um, question
0: and, for you, Timmy. Just just question. You you think you think Michigan will play a, as much drop coverage against Michigan State with 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 Cassius as they have against other teams?
1: I do, I do, and 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 I I think that. Um, this reminds me a little bit of when Michigan went to the Bahamas and nobody really knew what to expect. Iowa State wasn't sure. North Carolina, Gonzaga, there was not a a depth of of scouting that they could pull from. And, And over the last two weeks, I think that Michigan has been working very hard preparing for Michigan State. Remember, Michigan State, plays Illinois before Michigan on the second or third. And and so I think Michigan's going to come into that game with some wrinkles that we haven't seen that, that Tom Izzo hasn't seen. And and I I um I think drop coverage will be part of it in which John Teske is protecting the rim and 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 they're allowing Xavier to play Cassius straight up, try to retreat after he gets over that screen. Um, I think it's a good strategy. I, I really do. So yes, I, I I believe Michigan will play drop coverage in their pick and roll.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because he, you know, he he is one of the play- He is one of those players that can hit that mid range shot.
1: <laughs> now, but can he can he make enough to beat you though? Yeah, yeah they, they may they may right. treat treat it like Luca Garza.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that and that may be the case, and and that could be. Uh, a in a very effective part of the strategy. Certainly, hope it is from from Michigan's perspective. What I like to say, what I like to to see against uh, you know against guys that are really potent offensively uh, is make them play some defense. And Michigan could not make Cassius was to play defense last year, Tim. And that was a that was a huge deal. You got to be able you got to be able to make them pay for that kind of switch because Michigan couldn't make them play from the perimeter. You got to give his you got to give Xavier Tillman. A ton of credit uh, because I thought that as much as much as the the focus was on Cassius last year in the Michigan State matchup I thought the guy that turned it in their favor was Xavier Tillman with his ability to stay in front Michigan's guards could not get by him X couldn't get by him uh, JP couldn't get by him. If if guards can't beat pigs off the dribble, you got trouble, man. And that was the issue for for Michigan because, by and large, that was the the most effective, uh, you know, answer when someone went to switch the ball screens on Michigan last year. But it didn't work against Michigan State Again, which gets back to my my point. A, I, you certainly got a probe, and hopefully they can get Xavier Tillman in some in some foul trouble. They are not as complete, I think, along the front line, uh, Michigan State as they were last year, and then. You know, can you make can you make them pay in the paint? That's what I, that's what I think we've been getting at over the last few weeks and certainly getting some reps in this last game, getting the ball in the post. You know, Michigan State's going to go back to that because it was so effective last year with those switches.
1: Yeah, a, a couple of things. Michigan State's guards are not as good as they were last year. And I'm not just talking about Cassius. I expect him to, to get healthy and to, to get get, you know, get back to where he was with Aaron Henry. Foster lawyer Gabe Brown. Without Josh Langford, their guards do not scare me. Mm-hmm. And then also, last year, Goins was huge versus he Michigan. Was. He was. And and I even think Nick Ward gave them a, a lot of leadership and size. Um, so without those guys, like Marcus Bingham has been, he's been solid. I, I like Marble. I like, but they're they're not what they were last year. I'm not saying that. That um, you know, Michigan's going to go into that game favored, but I'm intrigued by Izzo versus Juwan Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Isaiah Livers is going to play. I, I I know really, that, yeah. I, I mean, I've always felt like a groin injury is a ten day to two week injury. Um, you know, there's always differing opinions based on the severity, and I know that with the NBA now they're being more cautious, and it's turned into a three week to a month but i i just think he's gonna play um it, it 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 didn't look like he's in tremendous pain i think michigan's gonna keep his injury close to the vest and and i am um, I, I expect him to be there i think he's i think he's probably i think he's gonna be close to 100 percent i'm hopeful yeah. could be completely wrong but <laughs> I, I
0: haven't
1: sam i haven't talked to anybody i don't have any inside information i just I just think he's going to be ready to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, it certainly will be interesting, interesting to see, and a, a valuable addition to the fold if they can have him out there. Just a, a couple of more notes on Michigan State, really quickly. Are you surprised, Tim, that I'm I'm talking about Aaron Henry uh, specifically? I watching him, uh, you know, as they as the season unfolded last year, uh, as they made their way through the tournament. I thought that Aaron Henry was going to be one of the breakout players uh, in the Big Ten, and he still may be. He still may be, so it's not like the season's over. Uh, but to this point, he has not been the player that I expected him to be this year. I'm curious if you felt the same way or feel the same way.
1: Yeah, I went to watch Michigan State practice in in November, and, and I was really particularly focused on Henry. There's a big difference between being a support guy surrounded by quality vets, and then stepping up and being a featured weapon. And and last year, he got open shots. The The defenses were just like he was an afterthought. He was catching the ball, and people were trying to, to find him and close out. Now, all of a sudden, he's at the top of the scouting report, along with Cassius Winston, and, and he's not getting the same caliber looks. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of pressure that goes along with that. And, and I think he's an NBA player down the road, but he's not there right now. Mm-hmm. And and just like a couple of their other players, I think they're capable of more. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, you know, I, I admit, and I said this before, uh, man, you know, th- this game just has a, a totally different feel to it uh, because, of, because of what Cassius is going through, uh, you know, off the floor, on the floor and off the floor. It's just, uh, you know, something that is – uh, you know, a, a real-life circumstance that is just bigger than the game. Uh, but I, I just think his ability to go out there and still be there for his team. I, You know, I read a couple of, of comments from him where he talked about how he'd rather be any place but the basketball floor. But he, he's out there because his, his team needs him. He's not just a guy. He's the guy. You know, they they need him. And then he said, you know, it's also for his family. You know, his family needs to see him out there. Uh, and just to see the kind of strength that that kid is showing, uh, it is—it's an amazing feat and show of, of, of strength and selflessness. Yeah, the, the
1: tra Yeah, the tragedy with his brother is so, so incredibly sad, and I can't imagine the grief he's felt. And I hope he can get back that, that love of the game. Um, I, I really, really like his family. His dad is a great leader. The U of D Jesuit community has put their arms around Cassius you know that his teammates and his program are but I just don't know how you deal with that Um, I I don't as a teammate as a friend as a family member I don't even know what you could say or do to to ease that pain and so it's unprecedented unprecedented and but I will say this that I I think he I think there's a very good chance when Michigan Michigan State play, he, he's probably going to be the best player on the court.
0: Yeah, yeah, he certainly was uh, certainly was last year, uh, and one of the best players in college basketball. And hopefully, basketball is uh, is at least a momentary respite for him uh, and everything that that you know that he has to that that weight that he has to has to deal with. Uh, hopefully that that can be that for him. Uh, at any rate, Tim, let's let's get back to something more trivial by comparison, and that's just the you know the game, the matchup uh, going up to East Lansing. You know, fortunate for Michigan, they got guys that know what it's like to go up there and win and, and win and, uh, and, and and win emphatically, and certainly X was on the floor when Mo Wagner put on one of the all-time great moves. In Michigan basketball history, I'm sure you had a couple of dribble drives and where you go behind your back, cross over behind your back, and went to the rim, didn't you, Tim? in your day? yeah, when i was <laughs> when I was sleeping at night, I was dreaming. <laughs> I, you know what I would
1: imagine in in all of my elementary, middle school, high school, college NBAs, I bet that I never went behind my back unless it was an accident.
0: <laughs> well, he left uh, he left Nick Ward on on the <laughs> deck on his way to the rim. Uh, and it was it was one of those one of those moments that will stick with Michigan and Michigan State fans uh, forever. And, and kind of a kind of that that exclamation point when you look back at Mo Wagner's career. you know, you get him from over in Germany, a guy who comes in with the, with the reputation for his shooting ability. And you saw his versatility really emerge over the course of his career. Uh, but I really liked how not only physically, uh, how he evolved, but, but mentally, because I remember his freshman season, uh, <laughs> Tim, you know, Mo's a very opinionated guy, uh, you know, had an idea of what he wanted to do on the floor. And John Beeline being a very structured guy uh, would, would have some he was very rigid with some things. And uh, it, I remember it being a process for Mo getting used to that rigidity. Uh, but as he did, you really saw him blossom as a contributor, as a player. Uh, for the University of Michigan, and ultimately as a recruiter in helping get his brother in here to Ann Arbor. You had a chance to to speak at length uh, with Mo for this week's interview. I
1: did, and, and you mentioned his versatility. The thing that always really stood out the most to me is his infectious personality. He loves to play the game. He's the kind of guy that, that you and I would have loved to have played with because he makes the game fun. Uh, I, I always imagined him in the locker room, you know, pumping guys up, laughing, having fun. Uh, He can walk into the most hostile environment and not be scared or intimidated. Mm -hmm. And, and, and also, I don't think a lot of people realize that, that he's off to a really good start with his NBA career. He didn't play a lot as a rookie for the Lakers, uh, but, but with the wizards, he was averaging 12 and a half, 13 points a game and six rebounds. And they look at him as the prototypical center of the future, the ability to stretch the court, but also to put the ball on the floor a few times and make some plays.
0: Gotcha. Well, outstanding grab to get Mo Wagner uh, to sit down. As you said, you know, having a really, really good season in the NBA, and his brother is off to the start, off to a good start here in Ann Arbor. So here is Tim McCormick with Mo Wagner.
1: We are thrilled to talk to one of the greatest big men in Michigan basketball history, Mo Wagner. Mo,
2: how are you? I I appreciate that introduction. That uh, humbles me. Thank you so
1: much. (laughs) um, I've been following Michigan basketball since the mid-1970s and you have been one of my favorite players and i'm i'm so looking forward to watching your nba career so let's um let's start off and, and talk a little bit about the the transition from germany to the united states and the university of michigan how did you choose michigan um you know, maybe share some of your insight in, into that transition
2: honestly it wasn't really me choosing michigan it was- almost like the other way around, to be honest with you. I That wasn't on the radar. Um, now it all makes sense, since Coach Bielang is kind of famous for getting players like that. Um, so I, I didn't really have a lot of offers, any, to be honest with you. The, the college or the alternative, which was a great option as well, was stay at home with my whole team, alba Berlin, and kind of sign a... Uh, a cool, yeah, pro- professional contract. And um, there were those were kind of the two alternatives that I had. And I ended up choosing Michigan just because I always wanted to go to college and um, I would have hated myself if I didn't. So and Michigan sounded like the perfect opportunity for me. So uh, it all made sense kind of.
1: Uh, did your international experience help your transition? I, I know that the game is so much different between European basketball and American basketball. Uh, what, what were your, some, some of your observations on the transition?
2: Um, I mean, so it's funny because, Coach, Beeline's basketball, I think when you watch his college games, like there's as European as it gets in terms of slow down, uh, play controlled, half set offense, pass the ball, share the ball, ball moves from side to side, every possession. Um, So that transition wasn't even that big. It was more the athleticism um, and the strength of every single player, regardless whether they're in college or the pros. It's just a different level of the the athleticism here in the States. And that was something he as a 17 year old skinny white kid from Germany. It was a, yeah, it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing at first, and something I had to get just adjust to, but um, it worked out well for me in the end. It was obviously fun to compete at that level and have a new challenge. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, when you when you look back at John Beeline as a coach, do you have a favorite story, a funny story, something that really sticks out that that was impactful to you?
2: Wow, I have a lot of favorite stories. I mean, Coach Beon was it was funny because. I think the whole plane crash accident kind of changed. It's always cool when you like, or interesting when you like spend so much time with someone and you kind of see that person change. Um, And I think that incident changed him a lot in in the terms of that. He got, it's hard to describe honestly, but he got a lot closer with his players. I feel like, and um, it was, it was cool to kind of be part of that transition and, for him to, there are so many cool stories. I mean, I, I remember the water fight in Louisville, when we, <laughs> when we beat Louisville, and uh, we, he came in with the with a water gun or whatever it was, and those are, like, moments you'll never forget.
1: I um, I have such fond memories. You
2: kind of, yeah, and he's like a teacher, and then when you do that stuff together, it kind of takes the pressure away, and you just feel joy, and um, that's, 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 yeah, very cool.
1: As we watch your little brother Franz, I'm so impressed with with the start to his college career. First of all, are, are there any other young Wagners that, <laughs> and are there any cousins or nephews or anybody else? We've got to keep this pipeline going.
2: I guess now it's up to me and Franz to, to, to continue <laughs> that. Uh, but uh, no, there's no, nobody else in the pipeline so far. I have a, I have a cousin, she's pretty tall, but. She doesn't play basketball. Oh, okay. But, uh...
1: <laughs> so, so, as you've watched Franz and his progress, um, how do you think he's done? Is he living up to his potential yet? Or do you have some advice for him? What's an overview of what you've seen from Baby Brother?
2: So, for me, it's. I mean, I'm obviously seeing this from a brother perspective. So, for me, basketball isn't necessarily. Obviously, you always think it's primary, but for me, obviously, the primary. Focus here is is he happy as a human being and does he enjoy his time in the college? And uh, from what I've gathered so far, I think uh, my brother is very, very happy there, and uh, I'm very proud of him that he kind of made that decision on his own the way he did it. Um, um yeah, it was incredible, and I, the potential. I, I think he's a very talented player. When, whenever he is gonna live up to that potential. Is when he's gonna live up to that. Um, that doesn't matter to me. For me, it's important that he's happy, and I mean the way he's working, and I just the values he lives by. Uh, I'm not concerned about him whatsoever in the basketball, in the basketball department. So he will take care of that. I'm I'm very very um, convinced of that. So. Not concerned at
1: all. I think he will follow your path from star at Michigan to NBA player. Um, can you look into the crystal ball? Uh, Ten years from now, who's going to be a better pro, you or your brother?
2: You'll never hear me admit that my brother is better than me. No, I'm
1: just
2: kidding. <laughs> I always tell him, like I always tell him, he better, he better be buying me a house someday. So very uh, good. No, so we have a we have a funny relationship about that with two different players, which makes it easier for me to To digest that he might be better at some point for little brother. It's always easier to say he's always been the smaller one You know, he's always had to like kind of uh, Challenge me his entire life. So it's easier for him to be better than me than the other way around for me I have to get I need some uh, getting used to that but uh I'll figure that out. If he buys me a house, I'm cool
1: with that. <laughs> it, it must have been really hard for him. I, I remember on his visit to Michigan, that was right after John Beeline left and on his official visit, I think Saudi Washington was the only coach and he was sort of in limbo at that point. What what did you tell him about his decision?
2: Honestly, it's it's funny because like it was like a shock moment. I mean, no one kind of knew and I didn't really know what to tell him and what really stuck out to me about that weekend was that my brother still wanted to look at everything and it was it was cool because it kind of took the pressure out a little bit so me and the coaches we kind of did it together we just walked through the, the study hall and all that stuff, the, the arena the PDC and we kind of let let Fra- Franz handle the schedule and it wasn't as organized, it was a little random but it was cool because Franz kind of yeah, had the opportunity to show what he's interested in and kind of explore what he really wanted to do. And I think that was very helpful for him. And we kind of made the best out of that weekend, um, uh, as weird as it was. But um, yeah, it was a definitely an emotional time, but uh, we got that passed and... Um, now he's there and he's very happy so I'm, I'm cool
1: with it have you had a chance to watch the team a lot I, I, I'm i curious about do you have a relationship with Juwan Howard who do you keep in touch with with the team and, and maybe most important, what is Franz's natural position in college where do you see him as a pro I know I threw out a lot but just ramble about it tell me about what you've seen so far
2: I mean yeah I watch him a lot I do think uh, they play a little more loose than we used to play with Coach Beeline. Um, a lot more transition basketball. Uh, I've been impressed by the defense, honestly. It's been pretty consistent. Um, they're a very talented team. I mean, they have talent. Uh, it's it's They're fun to watch. You get, the one thing that sticks out to me is, and obviously that was uh, very obvious in, in, in the Bahamas, the fact how connected they all are. And I mean that. Including the coaches, so everyone is very, very connected. And even if they lose against Illinois on the road, you could just tell they're going into the same direction as a unit. And that's something that's very valuable, I think, in whatever profession. Um, so, yeah, I'm, that's that's fun to watch. And kind of, I always ask my brother uh, how it's going, and all I all I hear is good things. I do have a relationship with Duan. Uh, I met him my first year in the NBA when we were in Miami. Had a good had a good conversation with him, um, obviously, and I always talk about my brother the, when the recruiting process started, so there is a relationship there. I, I, I do appreciate him a lot as a coach, and um, what he's done so far and what I've heard so far is incredible, so um, yeah, good. I'm happy for my brother that he has the chance to be coached, by such a cool coach.
1: Let's go back into your career a bit. Uh, do you have a favorite Michigan memory?
2: um wow that's hard i mean that it's 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 kind of ironic because i'm in dc now but like that plane crash incident um and obviously it's uh, it's the cool story in the, in the back but when you don't really f- f- go through what actually happened you can't really yeah it's hard to explain what you feel in that moment when you almost die <laughs> or <laughs> think you're dying and then um You're thinking about forfeiting the game the next day, and then a couple days later, you won the whole tournament. Um, That was something. That was a game changer, like a life changer for me as a person. Um, And I realized how much winning can mean. Um, Because it was the really the first time winning something in Michigan, um, and my first ring there. And it was that was really cool. I mean, uh, it kind of connected the whole the whole family. Um, and, uh, yeah, winning that tournament, um, I'll never forget that, that, that might be my favorite moment.
1: What about your favorite spot in Ann Arbor? Was there a restaurant or a place on campus you liked going to, you know, maybe it was the, the football games or t- tell us about your experience. What was your favorite things about the campus and, and Ann Arbor?
2: Oh, I mean, son, it's funny, like when you go to college and you're not from here, like the sample size is obviously very low of the college campuses you go. So you almost take it for granted how cool it is. And now being around in the States a little, little more after five years living here or four and a half, you kind of realize how cool an hour actually is. So the fact that, that, that the city or the campus is right in the city um, was awesome. I don't necessarily know if there's a favorite food. I think Neopopolis is one of my favorite food spots. I don't know if you know that that spot um, mm-hmm. but yeah I mean there a bunch of good food I really like because it's not too much going on there but it never gets boring like I love I love Ann Arbor a lot
1: alright here let's do some rapid fire questions just first thing that comes to your mind um, let's see how about who's the most famous person in your cell phone
2: uh, Kobe Bryant
1: where did you meet Kobe?
2: Uh I met him at a workout. Um it was kinda of coincident. Uh he used to he worked out Giannis one time and I was in the area, so um yeah, I kinda of snuck into that workout and watch and that was right when I got drafted by the Lakers. So he knew me too. <laughs> which is good. So he let me be in the gym and watch. <laughs> And we had a nice little conversation afterwards with, which I'll never forget either. So, um, yeah, I would say Kobe Bryant.
1: You should call him sometime. Call him soon. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, I know you don't want to bother those type of people, you know? You never yeah. know what happens. You, want to, you have, want to have those type of people on your good side.
1: I hear you. Know? you. Oh, what What was your first big NBA purchase? Was there something you went out and just spoiled yourself or, or you know, your family or friends? What, what was your first big NBA purchase?
2: My car. I remember i got i never i was like i can't even drive why why the why the heck am i having this car but for me it was like i'm in la you kind of need a car to get around mm-hmm. so uh i bought a car and um yeah for the first week or so i couldn't fall asleep because i was like who am i because in the nba a lot of people don't know that you don't get paid till november right so as a rookie you get drafted in june and then first check comes middle of november second week of november so that time in between you kind of got to figure stuff out by yourself so to buy a car in that period of time seems like a very bold move at that point for me so um yeah i couldn't really fall asleep <laughs>
1: what what kind of car did what, what kind of car
2: i bought myself a range rover but i, I will say this i'll never regret it uh after that so <laughs> good I for could you fall asleep for a couple of nights but after that i'm um, yeah, I'm a very blessed uh, kid.
1: No, you deserve a, a Range Rover. Absolutely, you're an NBA player, Mo. Yeah, that's uh, great. Yeah. Um, who do you keep in touch with?
2: Uh, from Michigan.
1: Yeah who 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 are your who are your guys?
2: I mean, we almost everyone, honestly. Uh, uh, Duncan and I are very close. Uh, we live together my junior year, so that's that's one of my best friends. So I still talk to cares DJ, Derek. Uh, Zach, sometimes like I talk to all of them. Andrew Dawkins, if you believe it or not, <laughs> <laughs> uh, even if he goes to Ohio State. But like no, ev- like almost everyone uh, made some great relationships in that locker room and uh, in that facility. And yeah, I really enjoyed my time there. So no, I keep in touch with almost everyone. Uh,
1: so our listeners will be very excited to hear that you were you, you you weren't there for a full four, but you you learned to hate Ohio State, right?
2: I mean, I learned. So, hate is a big word, but uh, I will say this: you, you kind of go with the flow. When the fans hate them, you like you play for your fans, right? So, I, I will say this with the whole rivalry thing: I I always wanted to win every game, so I never I never hated a opponent more than a different one, um, just because I love basketball so much. But uh, you could just tell there's a different energy about Ohio State and Michigan State when you play them, and Obviously, you want to play well against them. So um, yeah, you kind of go with that flow and uh, try to perform with your best.
1: All right, and I'm I'm dying to hear what do you want to do when you're done playing someday?
2: Wow, that's a tough question. I'm I I hate that question. I'm not gonna lie because <laughs> <laughs> I always tell like my friends that don't play basketball, like I like that I feel bad for them because if I didn't play basketball, I literally had no idea what to do after college um, because it's so hard um yeah i i really don't know I, I love working with people um probably do something like that i hope the game continues to be good for me so i can stay in that that area Um, uh, we'll see but i hope that i don't have to worry about that question for at least another 10 years so uh, we will see I, I can
1: see you as a coach you're very cerebral out there so maybe that's possible uh,
2: but i i would need someone who who holds me under control and kind of keeps me in check because I'm a very emotional guy and I don't want to get caught up in that.
1: I'll I'll work with you on that. Okay. All right. And then the final question today is, you know, can, can you give our listeners an update on your NBA career? Your, you know, I know you had the ankle injury and you're getting over that, but man, you were playing some great basketball and your future looks really bright. Can you give us an update?
2: Oh yeah, of course. I mean, every time. Yeah. I'm I'm very happy here, and see, I'm not gonna lie. I really enjoy my time. Uh, I think it's a great organization. It's a great opportunity uh, for a young kid um, coming from from last year in a situation where, and that wasn't no one's fault, but where you just uh, where, where I just didn't get the same opportunity, where there were different priorities, which is fine. And here, I'm very lucky enough to be in that situation where people invest um, in me enough for me to make mistakes and play through those and learn from those. And, um, yeah, I always say like, I'm very blessed to be in this position. I'm not taking this for granted because to be 22 and to be in this league and to be able to be able to actually play is something, um, and have people behind you that believe in you is something that I'm very grateful for and very rare. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful, very, very happy with my situation. DC is a beautiful city. um, I've had success here, like we talked about already. So, um, yeah, I always make the joke that we hung a banner here before the Wizards, and there we go. Now, <laughs> now I trying to hang one with the Wizards. So that's,
1: that's a challenge. Uh, Mo Wagner, you're awesome and one of the best big men in Michigan basketball history. So appreciative and look forward to enjoying your NBA career and future and also your brother Franz. Continued success. Happy New Year, and thank you so, so much.
2: Thank
0: you, Tim. I appreciate it. Same to you. All right,
1: my Thank friend. You. Thank you,
0: my man. Bye, bye. And we're back on the Michigan Insider Basketball Podcast with Tim McCormick, uh, Sam Webb here, and uh, Tim. I am just—I I think you know this about me. I like the guys that have a little—a little edge to them that that are on the court, and there's a there's a presence about them that even if they aren't talking smack, you know, the way that they carry themselves, I just like that—that that kind of bravado, that kind of. You know, that kind of dog in a guy. And I felt like Mo gave that to this team. I think the way you phrased it was, you know, a guy that walks into any gym with no fear. Uh, and, And I think that you could take it to another level. A guy that walks into a gym, any gym, with no fear and is able to give his teammates some of that courage, too. And I think that Mo was able to do that. Sam,
1: Mo Wagner is going to go down in Michigan basketball history as one of the the most productive big men um, at the most opportune time. Think about when Terry Mills and Loy Vaught and Mark Hughes, they they weren't necessarily featured. They weren't the best player, but they were big men that played their best in March. And and maybe more accurately, Chris Weber and Jawan Howard had similar swaggers a little bit different players but but they they played their best when the the lights were brightest and as the mvp of the big 10 tournament um being on the the final 4 all tournament team mo wagner had the same impact at the biggest moment
0: yeah and he was look if 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 mo isn't advocating for for michigan in the aftermath of John Beeline's departure. Because I remember that time vividly. I know the visit was scheduled. Moe was scheduled to come to town for the visit as well. He had the autograph signing at the MDN and all that uh, to coincide with it. Uh, but there was a real chance that Franz uh, w- was going to cancel that visit. I mean, to take a visit without a head coach, Tim, uh, to not know who the next head coach was going to be, uh, why come and to you know for for Sadi Washington for Dre Haynes for, uh, Luke Yaklich, uh, you know the the assistants here at Michigan to to still be able to and Sadi especially, uh, to to be able to connect with Mo and say hey it's still valuable for him to come here on this visit, that was everything because he, by coming on the visit he was able to to really see. Uh, and feel the other aspects of Michigan that still resonated with him. Uh, you know, the, the rich program tradition, that his teammates, his would-be teammates, John Sanderson with the strength and conditioning. I mean, there are a lot of valuable attributes still there. And if you they got the right coach in, uh, one that you could mesh with, every reason to still go to Michigan. But you don't get him to feel that unless you get him on campus. And Moe was huge in making that happen.
1: Sam, I don't think that, that a player should choose a college based on the coach. I think you should, you should, you should build a list of criteria, but the most important things are the, the campus, the school, the academics, the teammates, the, the lifelong relationships that you're going to build. And you knew that Michigan was going to get a high quality coach. Um, you know, there are specific things about style of play and personality. That, that a recruit would definitely want to check. But I think it was wise, and you're right. Mo was the catalyst that really led led that recruitment and the selection to come to Michigan. So uh,
0: kudos to him. Yeah, kudos to him for sure. Uh, great to catch up with uh, with the big fella who, uh, one more thing, I know I've been given a lot of Piston references, but you know who demeanor-wise uh, reaction from the opposing fan base-wise, who he reminds me of, he was Michigan's Bill Lambeer. Yeah, yeah. if 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 yeah. David Julius is is Vinnie Johnson then <laughs> then Mo was definitely Bill Lambert. now he's more athletic than 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 Bill Lambert ever was
1: <laughs> I, I see those references if you try to tell me that Xavier Simpson is Isaiah Thomas I'm going to have to stop him Sam <laughs>
0: No never would happen never would happen <laughs> okay. my all favorite right, all my right. favorite all-time player uh, Isaiah Thomas still <laughs> I, I'm still bitter about 1988 they caught that phantom foul on Bill Laimbeer when Isaiah Thomas turned in one of the best all-time playoff finals performances in NBA history. 25 points on one leg, but I digress. Let's get back to talking Michigan basketball, and uh, you know, interesting and and I think heartwarming story when you consider it's a it's a hometown kid walking on at the University of Michigan, a guy who who turned down scholarship opportunities. Uh, at at other schools just so he could come back home and walk on at the University of Michigan. And I'm talking about Ann Arbor native Skyline alum, Brandon Wade. Tim, I saw this story and I thought – I heard about it before I saw the story. And I thought, man, what a valuable pickup for for Michigan, and it doesn't cost him a scholarship.
1: It's a good point. I've known Brandon Wade since ninth grade when he was in ninth grade, an excellent player. High-class individual. He fits the profile very well. Um, you know, good good home life, excellent ball player. He, um, he loves Michigan. And, you know, I, um, we, we've talked a little bit about the, the Top 100 camp, which I run for the NBA Players Association. Um, I also have a program that I'm really proud of in Michigan, where each year we have the best 100 high school players from across the state. So, so Brandon came first in ninth grade. His brother has come as well. And and so I, I did get a chance to know him, and I did get a chance to, to study his game. So let's let's look at it a little bit closer. He went to Duquesne. I can see why Pittsburgh is a great city. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith Danbrot, he's hard-nosed. He's tough, but he makes you better. I don't know if you realize, he was a LeBron James high school coach. You probably knew that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So as as a transfer, there's really, I I would say, no misperception regarding minutes or game time. When when a kid transfers, you've got his attention. He's got three years left after a redshirt year. He'll be a great practice player in the short term. And then long term, I, I do think that he's got a lot of work to do to become a, a big 10 guard. I think he's a point guard more than a shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Sanderson's going to help with his body and his athleticism. Um, and, and what I remember about him is I think he's going to struggle on the defensive end against quicker point guards. He can work on that. He's already a good shooter, not much of a creator. And, and at Duquesne, I think he walked on to the campus and said, okay, this guy, Sincere Carey, is is better than me, you know. And they're in the same class. They both play point guard, and and so I think I think it's a really nice story. And and he's better. He's a better upgrade than the other walk on players that Michigan has. And I do think that that you know he becomes a junior and a senior, he could be a, a really valuable contributor.
0: Yeah, Tim. And what about what about getting a guy? Who, who comes in, I mean, he, you've heard him talk about it. He's loved Michigan his whole life. Uh, and, you know, to sacrifice sacrifice scholarship opportunities uh, elsewhere, uh, of course, it's, it's about more than a love. It's an excellent ex, ex, excellent educational opportunity at Michigan, uh, too. So that, that's no small thing. But at the same time, the absolute love that that kid has for Michigan to be able to turn down scholarship offers elsewhere, I think there's something to be said for that, too.
1: When um, when we talk to our campers about recruiting, we always we always reference the fact that recruiting is a it's not a four year decision. It's a 40 year decision. And so you don't want to pick a school that that, you know, doesn't have the, the type of program, the academic program you're interested in. You know, some kids choose a school because they play on ESPN a lot or they like the color of the uniforms or their favorite NBA player went there. Those are all misinformed decisions. By by deciding to come to Michigan, Brandon Wade is setting himself up for the rest of his life. He's going to network with people that are already familiar with him because he's from Ann Arbor. And, and, and he's going to get an A-plus education. And he's gonna have the same opportunity to become a player. You know what? If if he if he doesn't improve his skills, if he's already reached his ceiling, it doesn't matter if if he goes to Michigan or Duquesne or Schoolcraft College. You know, there, there's a ceiling there. And so he's got the same opportunities here to develop his game and and his mind and his 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 spirituality and his toughness. And he can do all of that in Ann Arbor. Same as he could anywhere else. Absolutely.
0: Uh, and so, uh, really, really looking forward to, to seeing him live that dream and give Michigan some some valuable depth. And like I said, without costing them a, a scholarship, you know, we, we touched on the scholarship question uh, last week uh, with people having concerns about hey, can Michigan fit all the guys in Terrence, Terrence Williams, for instance, just came on. On his visit to Michigan, uh, by all accounts, hearing that things went great. I think Michigan. This is my opinion. Uh, you know, I think Michigan is it has moved into being the team to beat for him. I'm not quite, quite ready to say they're going to get him. Uh, definitely want to speak at length, not just to him, but uh, to his to the people around him to get a, get a better feel for it. But I, um, I have my strong gut feeling is Michigan feels like it's in a very good place with him. Uh, but to get back to the point about scholarships, you know, I think Michigan can can fit all these guys in with the with the with the assist of being able to use get some some really strong walk-ons like Brandon Wade. If you can get a a scholarship capable caliber player that will walk on your team, that can free some things up. And I think there are a few avenues that Michigan can go down uh, in that regard to kind of make everything fit. So so, but we'll get to that. Uh, you know, talk recruiting more. Maybe in next week's podcast because I want to get to the all-decade team. When you gave me this homework assignment last week, Tim I was really excited about it because I want to hear your take. Uh, and this is something that uh, can be the subject of a great deal of debate because there's so many, so many great players that have come down the pipeline here uh, in the past ten years. When you talk about, you know, a couple of national championship, a uh, ch- couple of title game appearances, multiple first-round draft picks. A lot of guys to really choose from uh, for this great topic, Tim. Yeah,
1: and when when you think about the last decade, this has been one of the greatest decades in Michigan basketball history. Think about two national championship game appearances, three of those seasons with 30 or more wins, two Big Ten tournament championships, eight first-round draft picks. And so I um, I, I found it. To be really difficult to narrow down five players
0: yeah so let's go with you first tim i want to i want to hear where where you went with your all decade team and then i'll or do you want to go right. position by position or how do you want to do it
1: uh, you know what let me run through it and okay. i want to hear yours because right. that way you can get some flow okay i got you. <laughs> uh, so my point guard was my easiest choice and i think that that trey burke you, you can't argue with that he and Cassie russell the only national players of the year for michigan Uh, The final four, the big shots, 19-6 and as a sophomore. He's my point guard, and that was easy. Uh, My shooting guard, Nick Stauskas, Big Ten Player of the Year, Elite Eight. He won a Big Ten title. And I like the fact that that he evolved as a freshman, only a shooter, and he he learned to put the ball on the floor. I've been really surprised that his NBA game never really emerged. He's overseas now, but he's my shooting guard. Mm At small forward, I picked Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, that was more of a, a you know, three-year starter. He, he really paid his dues. Uh, 1,500 career points, all Big Ten, and just a, a solid ball player, really good on defense, good teammate. Uh, my first big man is Mo Wagner, emotional leader, um, You know, one of the, the winningest teams in Michigan history, Final Four all-tournament team, Big Ten, Tournament MVP. I um I just I had to have him on no matter what. He he's certainly deserving, but he came on our podcast. Sam got got to give that kind of love. So I, I'm afraid that you might be a little angry with my my fifth starter because you know I thought about Iggy as a as a natural four. Um, Zach Irvin, I really I, I always liked his game. Charles Matthews stopper on D. John Teske hasn't finished his decade, but he certainly would get. A lot of credit, but I didn't go with a big man. I went with a guy with a big heart, and he's one of my favorite Michigan players ever, Derek Walton. He's mm. my fifth starter. Yeah, mm. four-year starter, Big Ten tournament mm. champion and MVP. Um, I, I loved his ability to make big free throws, and I um, I just had to slide Derek Walton in there. So
0: Okay, so you, run, you run, could, your, you run could, your five down one more time.
1: So I've got Trey. Nick Stoskis, Tim Hardaway, Mo Wagner, and I had to get Derek Walton on there. I'm going with the small lineup.
0: Going with the small lineup. All right. So, I, like you, uh, I went with Trey Burke as as the point guard. Uh, You know, my – as I look back over the past 10 years, I think he was the player of the decade, one of the all-time greats in Michigan basketball history. Uh, You know, the shot he hit against Kansas Mm -hmm. uh, in the Sweet 16 down in Dallas was – it was the 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 biggest moment i've ever been present in in any sport that i've been present for it was an unreal performance an unreal shot what about
1: jordan pool shot
0: i think it was better i think it was better i think it was better than jordan because because kansas was a was a better team i mean and 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 you were in kansas you think about i was there tim and all the Kansas fans that were there and all the Big 12 fans that were rooting for Kansas, they thought that game was over. Uh, and Trey Burke put the team on his back. And uh, like he did all season, I mean, you know, Big Ten player of the year, national player of the year, uh, and a guy who could have left, could have left after his freshman season and maybe been picked uh, in the latter part of the first round, but came back for a sophomore season, uh, led his team all the way to the to the title game. Like you, that was the easiest pick for me. Uh, as I got into in, into my garden wing spots, that's where I started to get a uh, you know a little a, a little flimsy because I love Derek Walton. You know, D. Walton is a guy that I've covered since I covered since uh, his freshman year in high school. Mm-hmm. Love the the evolution of his game. You had to teach him, you know, coerce him into being less. He had to be more selfish. He was too unselfish. And as he evolved into that guy that would be that shot hunter, you could see him be the player that could put a team on his back in his senior season. So I really consider him uh, for one of the spots. Karis LeVert, watching his evolution. I'll never forget talking to Taco Charlton's dad uh, because they they played. Taco played on the same high school team as Karis, and he said, "Hey Sam, you gotta you gotta look at this kid on." on our high school basketball team that's like a baby Durant. I'm like, come on, man. And then I looked up, and it was this guy named Karis LeVert who was going to Ohio, Tim. And I was like, there's no way. And lo and behold, as they got later in the in the recruiting process, uh, Bakari Alexander jumps on on Karis LeVert. They recruit him, and he turns into uh, a contributor as a freshman, grows into his body, uh, eventually becomes an NBA, uh, NBA first-round pick. Uh, but, you know, when I compared his – when I compared their careers on balance to those of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Nick Stauskas, you know, all Big Ten guys, you know, we we saw we saw uh, you know Tim Hardaway Jr. become uh, one of the most potent scorers uh, in the uh, in the league. We saw Nick Stauskas be Big Ten Player of the Year. I just thought that those two guys, on balance, that they had more productive uh, you know Michigan careers, so I had to give them the edge. In my guard and wing positions, Mo Wagner was definitely one of my bigs. Uh, when you look at his his basketball career, again putting the team on his back and leading them to a championship game, that has weight, Tim. It has weight with me. He was able to dominate the uh, the Big Ten. We talked about his, you know, his his memorable games against Michigan State. Uh, he was big for Michigan in the biggest moments. So I had to put. I had to put Mo Wagner as one of the bigs, and then my last pick, and this one might be a little controversial to some people because he only did it for a short period of time. But I had to go with Mitch McGarry. And, wow! And yeah, I had to go. Oh, I had that to. Is go, controversial. Yeah, I had to wow. go. With, I went with Mitch McGarry because Tim, I know it was it was essentially uh, you know a six game run where where the the Mitch McGarry tale was written, where he is inserted into the starting lineup. Uh, for for the NCAA tournament, and that though was the move that spurred that run. I mean, you can think you can look back and and think about what we were thinking about that Michigan team down the stretch, but the the turning point for them was throwing Mo, uh, throwing Mitch in the in the starting line. But I'll never forget we talked about it earlier in the Syracuse
1: it, the Syracuse game <laughs> where yeah. he was
0: like he was like Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, yeah. orchestrating, being the quarterback of the team uh, in the middle of that uh, of that matchup zone. And I just think, you know, his ability to be the difference on that team, uh, you know, and taking them from being a really good team to a great team that, you know, arguably should have won the national championship. That was enough for me to put Mitch McGarry on my all-decade team because he uh, was a catalyst in getting Michigan to Monday night. So that was another. As you can tell, that's a big piece of the criteria for me. He was able to do that. Mitch McGarry is my fifth member of my all-decade team.
1: Strong. Very, very strong call. And remember, if if you're out there and you're, you know, you're banging on the, the, the dashboard of your car right now because John Teske and Xavier Simpson are not on our all-decade team, my hope is that they have a strong run in March and we're rethinking it, th- their careers are not over. So I think that's the reason that they're not on there. Both, you could make an argument that, that at the end of their career, they should be on there as well. Hey, um, Sam, I've got a, a couple additional questions because I, I loved the decades so much. Let me throw a couple of these out. I want your answers. I'll give you mine too. Tied game, okay, you're down one, no time left. From the 2010s, who do you want to shoot two free throws to win the game, Trey Burke or Derek Walton? Ooh, wow!
0: <laughs> That's a tough one. See, I don't have the 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 numbers in front of me to know who was the uh, was it's the. It's
1: a feel. It's just a feel. Just a
0: feel. <laughs> just a feel. Game on the line. Free throws. Wow, Tim, you stuff. That's a tough one. That's a, such a toss up. Because I'm calling him the, you know, one of the all-time greats, the player of the decade. I'm gonna go with Trey Burke. It's a, it's a tough one though, because I know D. Walt. I think he would be able to hit those shots too, but on balance, I, I would have to go with. I'll go with Trey Burke in that
1: one. Yeah, I chose Derrick Walton. I think he's so clutch, but it's, it's flip a coin. Here's another one for you: wide open three, cor- three pointer from the corner. Nick Stauskas or Duncan Robinson.
0: So are we talking? Are we talking college Nick Stauskas and Duncan, no, we're, or we're pro? We're
1: talking college. We're <laughs> talking, one, one of them has emerged in the NBA, career, the other one has disappeared. But we're talking the college, right? Nick yeah, ones. right
0: now I choose Duncan, but in college Nick Stauskas. I just I, I think that Nick Nick his ability to not only you know be a be a catch and shoot guy, but to uh, you know, but to dribble into threes himself, uh, you know that that gives him the edge to me I just think that he was he was better at hitting contested shots um, mm-hmm. I would love to see the analytics on that uh, but contested shots or or step in threes uh, he would be the guy that I think is 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 the one that you would want to you know to have that kind of pressure on him at the time and expect a positive result so I'll go Nick
1: yeah and he was the big 10 player of the year he he was rolling in his college career so i i'm saying. um who's a better rebounder john Teske or jordan morgan
0: mm, 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 mm. Uh, hmm.
1: i'm glad you're thinking because i know that, that that means that they're at least challenging someone. yeah
0: i look i'm i you know i you can't show change j mo i i think that that j mo became an excellent rebounder and defender uh, as as he got deeper into his into his Michigan career, he does not have, uh, you know, John's size, uh, and that's the one thing that is, you know, if they were, you know, if they were similar similar stature, I would go with Jordan Morgan every day of the week. But uh, that John is a you know a seven one seven two guy, uh, you know, kind of makes me lean his way. But I'm gonna go with J Mo. I'm gonna go with J Mo. <laughs> Pride to prior to U of UAD, and I'm going to say that, that he would be the guy that I would count on to go get that big board.
1: I saw Jordan Morgan in high school, and I was shocked at how much he improved. He changed his body. He sure did. And, and, and I remember his yeoman work against Michigan State on the boards. But I'm going to go with Teskey because I, I still wanted to give him some love for my all-decade team, and I didn't do it, so I'm going to pick John Teskey.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on J-Mo. J-Mo was – he wasn't just a different player physically from his high school days. He was a different player mentally too. Uh, so, I, I mean, you talk about a guy remaking himself, you know, that, that dog mentality that I like to see. Rarely do you see a guy become a dog. You I think you either have that or you don't. He is one of the exceptions to that rule. He became a dog at Michigan and was a big part of their success during his run here. All right, two more, two more.
1: Who's a better defensive player? You need to lock somebody down that's not Peyton Pritchard. Uh, Charles Matthews or Xavier Simpson?
0: Charles Matthews. Charles, Charles Matthews. Matthews. I, that that one was one of the easier questions. And that's that's no slight to X. I think X is, is is a really good defender. I know the Peyton Pritchard thing is is fresh in people's minds, and I get that. Uh, but I just think that the the – the versatility, uh, how many positions you could guard with with Charles Matthews. I mean, he could he could guard a quick point guard. He could he could guard a long wing if if you're in a pinch and you need him to battle, uh, you know, maybe, a, uh, you know, a, a, a man that isn't necessarily the, you know, a, a big brawny guy. I think he could guard four positions. So that's one of the reasons the, the the defensive versatility with Charles Matthews that makes me say without hesitation I would pick Charles.
1: I, I I chose the same. Last one, the most underappreciated player in the last decade, Zach Irvin, Zach Novak, or Muhammad Ali Abdul-Rahman?
0: Wow, that is a great question. Um, And I think you can make a case for all of them. But I would say Muhammad. I would say Muhammad. I think that people, I think that people appreciate what Zach Novak was for this team. He was the heart and soul of uh, of of Michigan at a point where they were try, where they where they had to make the turn. You know, it 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 was the bridge to the Trey Burke era. Zach Novak was, and you know, he and Stu played a huge role in empowering Trey. Uh, to become what he was here at Michigan, the kind of leader that he became here at Michigan. So I think that people have an appreciation for exactly what Zach Novak meant during his time here. I just think that in Muhammad's case, he was so quiet, so unassuming. You know, people didn't. You know, he he, he people just didn't really hear a lot from him. Uh, but the the number of big moments he had here, whether it was against Michigan State or or Purdue. Uh, you know, a guy who uh, another guy instrumental in a championship game run. I just think Muhammad is 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 the most unappreciated guy of the three you mentioned.
1: Yeah, I, I went with Zach because I, I feel like he was in on the ground floor. It seemed like so long ago, but he um, he made big shots. He played out of position. He rebounded. He was a leader. I, I just think that he was a very good player. That was underappreciated. So so that, that was fun. And as we wind up this decade, very exciting that a week from now when we talk again, we'll be talking about Michigan versus Michigan State. Hopefully one of three this year.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think that this is, as I said earlier in the show, this is a great, uh, you know, a great starting point, you know, to the to the year as far as, you know, the Big Ten is concerned for Michigan because this this will test them. This will test them, their their improvement from last year against the team with this kind of scheme, their improvement over the course of this early season where teams have tried to take away uh, Xavier Simpson some successfully. And, you know, Michigan State will try to do the same thing, so really looking forward to it. We'll recap it in the next podcast. Tim, have a happy new year, man. Uh, a lot of fun, as always. Looking forward to next week
1: sounds good and and let's get um let, let's get a citrus bowl victory too that'll make me happy
0: <laughs> all right until next week thanks for listening to the michigan insider basketball podcast